Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Hallelujah. If he's alive, give him praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, what an exciting celebration today. Easter is here. Our Lord's alive. We are celebrating what Christ means and did in our life. Hallelujah. Oh, God bless you. You may be seated today. Take your Bibles out, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're concluding our series on the book of Luke, and uh, what an exciting way to wrap it up with the resurrection story of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll begin a new series entitled Margins. It's all about creating room in your life for God, so invite someone to come back and be back here next Sunday. Great to have all of our guests here today. Thank you so much for coming. You that are out of town and friends that are coming with family, and we are so happy that you are here today. Let me, let me just uh, tell you the story first. Uh, Jesus Christ rides in a week earlier into the city of Jerusalem. They throw their palm branches out. They're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. There's a great celebration because they think their earthly king is coming to set up his kingdom. That when Christ comes, he's going to get rid of the Romans. He's going to take care of evil. Righteousness will rule again. The temple worship will be reestablished. It's going to be an incredible day because the king has come back into Jerusalem. But how many know when a king dies, the kingdom dies with him? And so they thought, and all their hopes were dashed, and uh, the sky darkens on that day, and he's hung on a cross, and, and, and everybody's disillusioned, and what's going to happen to us? And so the disciples are beginning to scatter, and you've got some that are hiding for fear in an upper room, and you've got a couple others who are going to go back to their old way of life. They're going to go back to the city they knew, the city of Emmaus. And they're going to journey along that road and their feet are going to shuffle along and their heads are going to be down. They're going to be talking about all that took place in Jerusalem just a couple days prior, three days prior. And then an encounter would change everything. Let's stand together to read God's word this morning. Luke chapter 24, verse number 13, an incredible story. It says, now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked with them, and they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who did not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, and the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. 
In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Let us pray. Father, we love you so very, very much. We thank you, God, that whatever road of life we are on today, whether we're downcast, whether we're going through grief or trials or situations, you will come and you will walk walk along beside of us because you are alive today. We thank you that the presence of the resurrected Christ changes everything in our lives, everything about us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word today. And we'll thank you and give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look great today, and then you may be seated. How does the fact that Jesus rose again 2,000 years ago affect my life today? You know, it's got to be more than just an excuse to get up and get ready and come to church For some of us, not as often as others, but we come to church, we get excited, it's Easter, we're going to get there, whatever it takes, and we're going to put our nicest clothes on, and we're going to celebrate with our families Easter Sunday morning, and then we just kind of forget about it and just kind of goes away for the rest of the year. How does does Easter and, and the resurrection change our lives? What effect does it have on me today? I think as we look at this story about these two men on the road to Emmaus, you're going to see several ways that that Easter changes everything. The, The first thing is hope is rekindled. Verse 21. I want to read that to you again. Listen to me if you would. Verse 21. It says, but we had hoped. Everybody say that together. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You can imagine these two friends are on the road, they're, 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 they're depressed, their feet are shuffling along, their, their shoulders are drooped down, they're, 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 some, they're crying, they're talking about what happened, what, what took place, what went down. I can imagine the discussion that's going on. Where did it all go wrong? How could, how could Jesus have let Pilate win? How come Pilate had the last word? What, what took place? What was all about? Did we really follow him in vain for these last several years? It's just that why did it all fall apart? Why was our Lord and Savior crucified? But we had hoped. And I think we've all felt like that at times before when, when our hopes and ambitions and our dreams get crushed and we come say those very same words, but we had hoped. Their disappointment had blinded them to the presence of God who now comes along beside them. He he joins in their walk. He joins in their conversation. But for some reason, they were kept from recognizing him. I I don't know if it was their depression. I don't know if it was their grief. I don't know if it was the tears in their eyes. I don't know if that Jesus had kind of covered his head. I don't know what the situation might have been, but they did not recognize Jesus was right there in their midst. Grief has a way of doing that. Sometimes when we're disappointed, sometimes we're hurting, sometimes when we're grieving, we turn all of our focus inward and we fail to see the presence of the risen Lord who's right there to give us hope, who's right there to help us in our times of disappointment and in our disillusionment. 
Because of his resurrection, the Lord is with us even when we don't recognize his presence. He is there. He is with us all the time. He is alive today. Even in your hurts, even in your pain, even in your disappointments, Christ is alive. And he's there to be with you. He's there to help you in those times. He will meet you at your point of pain. But we had hoped unfulfilled expectations. Things didn't turn out like we thought they were going to turn out. Things didn't turn out like we expected them to. My, I, I was hoping for a good report from the doctor. But we had hoped. And they took out that tumor and found out it was cancerous. It was not benign. But we had hoped. We had hoped this marriage would be the one that would last forever. That when we walked down an aisle and we said, I do, we made our vows and our commitment, we had hoped this marriage would go the distance. Something happened. We, we had hoped for that job promotion, and we've been waiting and waiting, but I got passed over by somebody else, or, or they didn't accept my resume, and I didn't get the job I was hoping for, and so we leave disillusioned, and we say, once again, we had hoped. We had hoped my children would turn out better, but they're out of work and can't find a job, and they're still living at home, and they're 28 years old. We had hoped they'd be out of the house by now and have a wife and give us grandkids. We had hoped... All that would happen and all that would take place. Expectations hold an incredible influence over every single one of us. And they give us hope in times of trouble and testing, and yet they shatter us when those expectations don't come to pass. This is exactly what happens to these two on the road to Emmaus. The poet Alexander Pope in 1727 wrote these words, Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. And yet on the other hand, where's the joy? Where's the thrill? Where's the excitement of life if there are no expectations? I want to tell you, as a child of God, we can't expect great things. Because the word says, I have come to give you life, and I've come to give you life more abundantly, and there's an exciting full, joyful life in the Lord Jesus Christ and my expectations are high because of Jesus and so I have every right to great expectations. The two are reciting past events. They're shuffling on that seven mile journey that probably by this time seemed like 70 as they're walking back to Emmaus. But resurrection faith moves us beyond the past into the present. And they're recounting all the events that took place in the past. And their hopes all hung on what transpired in the past. But because Jesus is alive, we always live in the continual present tense. I have new expectations, new hope, new joy. His mercies are new every single morning. Why? Because Christ is alive. And he moves me beyond my past and my broken expectations into the future, and he makes hope alive again. He rekindles our hope in every one of us. All because he's alive. Think about this for a moment. Aren't we glad the hopes And the prayers of those two men on the road to Emmaus went unanswered. Now think about it for just a moment. They wanted him to redeem Israel. They said, but we had hoped 
He would be the one to redeem Israel, to restore Israel to their greatness, to deliver us from Roman bondage. But Jesus gave his life and rose again to redeem every single one of us from the slavery of sin and give us everlasting life. Had he not been crucified, he might have marched in as a king. There might have been a revolt in Jerusalem. He might have turned history around for a few more years. But I will tell you, because he's alive, he changed history for all generations, for every single one of us. It is a good thing their hopes went unanswered. But we had hoped. When God doesn't meet our expectations, it's not always easy. It can be a challenge and it can be difficult. But faith is the conviction that God knows more than I do about what's best. And I will trust in God because he is alive and God will bring me through. His resurrection says, I always have hope because of Jesus. Christ's resurrection is the cornerstone of our hope today. Because he was raised to life, we also will be raised back to life again. That's my hope. No matter what happens on the earth, a resurrection day is coming. Because he was raised again, it means every sin can be forgiven in my life. Every sin that I've ever done can be taken away because of his resurrection. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, death is not the final answer. Because he's been raised to life again, Satan's doom is sealed and sure. And good will triumph over evil. But we had hoped. I want to tell you you feel like you've lost hope today, you feel like you've been struggling, you feel like your expectations have gone unfulfilled, unmet, I have got great news for you because Jesus Christ is alive, we can hope again. We can hope again. There is a future, there's always a future with Jesus Christ. I think the second thing that the resurrection brings about is a renewed fellowship. Let's pick up our story in verses 28 and run it through 30. And they approached to the village which, which they were going to, and Jesus acted if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, and, and even in the language, it feels like they almost put their hands on him and said, don't go any further, stop, and they almost grab him by force and make him stop and stay. Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and gave thanks, and he broke it and gave it to them. Now, in keeping with uh, Near Eastern hospitality, they always invited their guests to stop and eat with them. But the, the discussion, the dialogue had been so intriguing about the prophets and Moses and what Jesus Christ was talking about. They compel them to stay. You can't go any further. You've got to stop. You've got to stay right here. We've got to talk further. Let's break bread together. And they move on in the house, and the major component of any meal is the bread, the breaking of bread. And so Jesus Christ takes the initiative, and the Bible says he acts as the host, and he himself does the breaking of bread, and he begins to give it to the two on the road to Emmaus, just like he did a few days earlier at the Last Supper when his disciples were together. There's a verse in the Bible in Revelation 3 and verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I will tell you, because Jesus Christ is alive, I can have fellowship with my creator. He invites me to come in. He says, I'm knocking at your door. I want to come in. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have 
fellowship with you. It's like the video at the beginning. God made man. He created us to have fellowship with us. But that fellowship was broken by sin. It was broken by our rebellion. But because Christ is alive, that fellowship can be restored and renewed because I have a risen Lord. And because he's alive and he lives inside of me, I can talk to him anytime, morning, noon, or night, any time of the day. I can go to him in prayer because Christ is alive. That changes everything. There was a veil in the temple, and when Christ was crucified, the Bible says God came down and he tore that veil from the top to the bottom, separating the holy of holies that kept us out. Now I can go in into his presence and worship him and love him and have fellowship anytime. There was a huge stone in front of the tomb. And the Bible says that stone had been rolled away. I will tell you, they didn't need to roll the stone away to get Jesus Christ out. He had no problem walking through walls, walking through doors, walking through caves. The stone was rolled away to allow us to come in and witness his resurrection. And just like the stone was rolled away and the veil was ripped in two that separated us from a holy God because he is alive today, my sin can no longer separate me from God because every sin has been washed away, relationship with him is restored, and I can have fellowship with my creator, my Lord, and my master anytime. That's what the resurrection means. Fellowship is restored. In my daily walk, I can say, Lord, you are with me. Lord, you're beside me. I can talk to him in the morning because he's alive. Because he's alive, he will never leave me nor forsake me because he is alive. I can have a relationship with him. I can have conversation with him. Jesus approached the two on the road to Emmaus. The Bible said when he walked with them, he shared the scripture with them and they began to talk about the word of God. But it's when they sat down and they broke bread together that the fellowship became very close and intimate and they were able to share with him in his bread. I'm knocking at the door. If we just hear the voice, if we just open the door, let me in. I will come in, I'll live inside of you, I'll have fellowship with you, I'll eat with you, I'll sup with you. We can have a relationship together because Christ is alive. I can have fellowship with him today. It's incredible. It changes everything. His resurrection makes our fellowship possible. All we've got to do is open up the door. The third thing that the resurrection speaks about is our focus is restored. Our eyes are opened up. Let's continue in this story, verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now, Luke doesn't go into detail here about how the breaking of the bread opened up their eyes. We can only conjecture and suppose what might have taken place. Maybe they remembered back to the time when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he broke the bread and he kept breaking the bread and 5,000 people were fed on one day by that incredible miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it was the upper room when he broke the bread, but, but possibly, just possibly, when he broke the bread and he handed it out to them. 
They saw the nails, the nail scars in his hand and realized that it was Jesus Christ who was sitting right in front of them. The Bible says their eyes were open and they recognized him. Now, the, the, the language is, is not as strong as it could be right there. It literally means their eyes were completely opened and they fully comprehended him. They began to realize exactly. What, it was more than just a facial recognition of this is Jesus. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome in itself. But they begin to connect the dots together. And all of a sudden it begins to come together in their hearts and their minds. And now they recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Now they recognize Jesus Christ as the suffering servant that Isaiah talked about would come. Now they recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And the risen Lord. And then the Bible says he vanished. He's gone. Can you imagine that? You're breaking bread. You're talking to Jesus. And then psh, he's not there anymore. As soon as they recognized him, as soon as their physical eyes are opened, he's taken away from them. But something would happen more profound. Their spiritual eyes would be opened. Resurrection faith is not about physically seeing Jesus Christ. That is not going to happen. You're not going to get visions, dreams, revelation. It may happen, but I'm not saying it can't happen. But, but by and large, resurrection faith says, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he rose again, even though I can't see him. Even though I wasn't there on that Easter morning, I still believe that Jesus Christ is alive. That's resurrection faith. Resurrection faith takes us beyond our physical eyesight. His physical presence didn't matter anymore because they knew he was alive and their faith is rekindled and their focus is restored. Resurrection faith, focus is restored. They went from, but we were hoping, to now they say, but didn't our hearts burn within us? You know, I, I can imagine when they're on that road and their heads are down and they're depressed and discouraged and upset that, they're, that the flicker inside of them is more like just a smoldering wick. The Bible talks about a smoldering flame or a smoldering wick. And it doesn't give off any light. It just gives off smoke. And the smoke was clouding their eyes and clouding their vision and clouding their hearts. But now the Bible says, didn't our hearts burn within us? And when you begin to blow on that little flame that's just smoldering and giving off smoke, all of a sudden the embers come alive again and the fire picks back up and now the fire gives off light. And so what happens is in this new revelation of who Jesus Christ is, that he is the risen Lord, their entire focus of their lives is changed. Their eyes are opened up again. And that's what happens in our own life. When we come to know the resurrected Lord, our, our focus has changed. Everything about our life, our direction, our focus, our vision, it's all opened up because Christ is alive. Changes everything. So set your focus not on religion. You set your focus on religion, you'll be disappointed. Church will let you down, I'll let you down, we'll let you down, people will let you down. It'll let you down. Don't set your focus on your own expectations because they will go unfulfilled. And you'll be left saying, but we had hoped. Don't, don't set your focus on your circumstances. It's easy to look around at all my problems and all my trials and tests. And we get our eyes on our circumstances all around us. But I want to challenge you this morning. Set your focus on the risen Lord. He is the focus of every aspect of our lives. 
Set your focus on the one who's bigger than our own life, bigger than my own dreams. And by God's grace, I lift my eyes beyond my problems, beyond my present circumstances, beyond what's going on around me, and I see the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have hope, and my focus is restored, and my fellowship is restored with him. Corey Timboon makes this statement. It says, when the train goes through the tunnel and the world gets dark, do you jump out? Of course not. You sit still and trust the engineer to get you through. And so it is with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because he is alive even though I may be going through a tunnel or a dark time or the circumstances are challenging or I'm up against it, you're going to come out. It's interesting, the word Emmaus. The Bible says there were two on the road to Emmaus. It's seven miles from Jerusalem. The name Emmaus in the language literally means obscure or despised. So they are heading to a town, to a village that is called an obscure village, probably a very small town, a very small village, or despised. It was even looked down upon. And that's where their direction was going. But the Bible says that when they saw Jesus Christ, they changed their direction. Their eyes were opened up. They no longer want to go into obscurity. They no longer want to go into a despised area, but they want to go back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city of purpose. It is a city of promise. It is a city of the presence of God, Jerusalem. Once our focus is restored, we now find our purpose in life. Without the risen Lord, you have no purpose. You're wandering aimlessly, you're going through the motions, you're just living your life day to day, same old, same old, you have no hope for your future, and you have no purpose or reason for being in this life. When we lose our spiritual focus, we begin to wander spiritually without a clear vision or a clear purpose. And when we do that, we accomplish nothing. And often we end up where we're not supposed to go, right? Because we're on our own. We're wandering around aimlessly, and we wind up in the wrong place. But the resurrection story leads us into a divine mission and a focus and a reason, purpose for being. Now let me give you the rest of your purpose. Jump down to verse 47. It says there, and uh, let me start out. This is what was written. That Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The resurrection story, the fact that he is alive, leads you to finally discover what your purpose in life is. You now have a mission. You have an assignment. We all have been given an assignment by God. Now, Jesus' purpose, the Bible says, he came to seek and save those who were lost. And when my eyes are opened up and I identify with the risen Lord, I have the same mission that he had, and that's to seek and save those who are lost. That's to go out and spread the good news to everybody I see and say, you know what? Jesus is alive. And they go back to Jerusalem. What's the first thing they say in the upper room? Hey, we found him. We saw him. Jesus is alive. And if you don't know what you're on this earth for, I'm going to tell you what your purpose is. 
to spread that good news. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Everybody you see, Jesus is alive. Jesus gave a purpose to reach the entire world, and yet he never left ministry outside of Palestine the whole time he was on the earth. So what does he do? He leaves the rest of the mission to the church. And he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. You need power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. Church, we have a mission today. The gospel is a gospel of forgiveness. It is a message of God's grace. It is the message of everlasting life. And once I encounter the risen Lord, I finally, it all comes together. It all, I connect all the dots. Now I know why I was born. Now I know why I'm on the earth. Now I know why God gave me life. Now I know why God placed me where he placed me. It's to be a witness for him. Your focus, your vision, your purpose in life is restored. It's opened up because of Jesus. Now this morning I've got great news. Today you can experience your faith in the risen, resurrected Christ. Today you can accept his forgiveness and his grace and he can come and live inside of you. Today you can have fellowship restored with your creator. It has been broken by sin. It's been cut off by sin. But now all that can be restored through the Lord Jesus Christ. Today you can discover your purpose. You can finally figure out for the first time, now I know why I'm here on this earth. You can begin to share others the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and extend his grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you can join in this mission. Life in the risen Lord is a life of joy. It is a life of praise. It is a life of fellowship. And it is a life of purpose for every one of his followers. And when you come to know Jesus Christ, the Bible says your eyes will be opened, your vision will be restored, and your hearts will burn with a brand new passion for God and for Jesus and for following and serving him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. Close your eyes for just a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for everybody that is here today. I thank you, God, that you love them so very, very much. Lord, we're thankful that you're alive today. We're thankful, God, for those that are going through a challenging, difficult time, and it feels like their hopes have been squashed, their dreams have been vanquished, their expectations unfulfilled. I thank you today that you give hope. You give hope. There's hope in you no matter what they're going through today. I thank you, God, that Your resurrection makes fellowship possible with you once again and we can know you and have life and have a relationship with our creator. I thank you, God, that you call us to a higher purpose than ourselves to do your work on this earth. And now I pray, God, if there's someone here who may not know you as Lord and Savior, that right now you'll give them the courage to invite you to come into their hearts, come into their lives, and receive you this morning. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.